to today on Broadway for Friday, October 26, 2018. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway Star's James Marino. James, we are still like seven, six, seven months until theater awards season, depending on if you qualified at the beginning when the nominations come out or when the awards are eventually uh, presented. But we got two announcements about awards yesterday. First, that the Theater World World Awards, hosted as always by our very own Peter Felicia, will take place at a Broadway theater to be named later uh, on June 3rd. This will be the 75th annual Theater World Awards. They'll take place on a Monday. The uh, venue and the honorees, not only from this season, but the Lifetime Achievement nominees at all will be announced at a later date. And then also the Jimmy Awards, which is the high school National High School Musical Theater Awards, will take place from the Minskoff Theater on Broadway on uh, Monday, June 24th. So uh, mark your calendars now. Wow. That's it's a lot of planning there. Yeah, yeah. long way in advance. Long sure. I, well, you know, it takes a long time to get all the Theater World Awards all the way to Oklahoma, but uh, we'll see what happens there. All right. Uh, first up in the news, critics weigh in on the Waverly Gallery on Broadway. Yes, they do, James. This is one we've been talking about for a while. This is a show that has been in existence for, uh, I believe, over a decade, maybe a decade and a half, written by playwright Kenneth Lonergan. The show brings to Broadway for the very first time Drama Desk and Obie Award-winning director Lila Neugebauer, and it has an incredible cast starring the legendary actress and comedian Elaine May, Academy Award nominee Lucas Hedges, Tony-nominated or Tony-winning director David Cromer in an acting role, uh, Michael Sarah who's on Broadway in his third Lonergan play, and of course, Tony winner Joan Allen as well. The show opened at the John Golden Theater last night, and it follows uh, Elaine May's character named Gladys, who is an old-school lefty and social activist and longtime owner of a small art gallery in Greenwich Village. The play explores her fight to retain her independence and the subsequent effect of her decline on her family, especially her grandson. James, the reviews for this, and they're still rolling in as we are recording the show, but they are all very positive. The I will say that Matt Winman from Time Out New York was a little on the mixed side. I mean, there were a few that thought that it didn't coalesce altogether. It didn't have enough potency behind it. But for the most part, all of the reviews were on the positive to rave end of the spectrum. Adam Feldman from Time Out New York wrote, the Waverly Gallery forces us to deal with the walking memento mori that Gladys has become, but in a way that never seems cruel. Infuriating though she often is, it's impossible to hate her, and the casting of May and her return to the Broadway stage after more than half a century works brilliantly. She is funny and warm, and she's familiar, which helps fill in some of the play's emotional blanks. Our affection and respect for this titan of American comedy spills over into how we respond to her character. Feldman did give the show four out of five stars. Marilyn Stasio from Variety said, quote, OK, so the poignancy is a bit heavy handed, even under the thoughtful direction of Lila Neugebauer. But the sentiments are genuine. Lonergan has said that he wrote the play about his own aging grandmother and the emotions they raise are potent. Truth to tell, this is a hard play to watch, like a play that opens with a, with a deathly ill person and doggedly follows that person to the grave. In fact, if they gave a prize for most depressing play of the season, this one would win in a walk. I don't know that that's the pull quote they're going to want to use, James. Um, <laughs> I don't think so. It's often... 
that's but that's very similar to what was said about a Kenneth Lonergan movie a few years ago called Manchester by the Sea, which got a yeah. ton of awards. Um, very different type of depressing play or uh, story than this play. But it seems like Lonergan doesn't mind uh, delving into the sadness of things. Robert Hoffler from The Rap said, quote, May brings her comic genius to the role of Gladys and that very off center Always marvelously skewed approach to the text goes a long way toward making the character much less of a trial for us in the audience than she is supposed to be for the characters around her. Obviously, James, when you have a a legend of all types of entertainment, both as a writer and as a director, as a comedian, as an actress, like Elaine May coming back to Broadway for the first time in 50 years, she is the center of this show and the center of this production. And I have a feeling that when awards come around in six, seven months, like we said, um, she will very much be in the consideration for that. And I'm I'm super pumped to see this show in a couple of weeks. But overall, another strong contender, another strong uh, addition to this year of the play on Broadway. Uh, it's the year of the play. You know, uh, Mark Shenton over at the stage uh, wrote a great piece on uh, the the outstanding uh, play year that we're having here on Broadway. Mm-hmm. It's very exciting. Next up in the news, Scott Rudin plays musical chairs on Broadway. Now, I, should I feel start start feeling bad for the court? No, I mean he's not literally playing musical chairs in the court, but I mean I'd pay to see that if he were. <laughs> um, but this is yet another chapter in the curious case of the court theater, because yesterday it was announced that the previously announced spring tenant for the John Golden Theater, where the Waverly Gallery is now, the Glenda Jackson-led King Lear, would be changing locales and running at the court instead, while the new Lucas Hath play Hillary and Clinton will take Lear's place at the Golden. Gajillion-time award winner Lori Metcalf and bazillion-time award winner John Lithgow will, of course, play Hillary and Bill, um, which will begin performances now on March 16th. That no dates had been announced for that one yet under the direction of Joe Mantello. Now, James, rumors had been that Rudin really wanted Hillary and Clinton to take over Circle in the Square in the spring. But obviously, it seems like either Rudin didn't want to wait around for Ken Davenport or Davenport's not going anywhere with once on this island at Circle in the Square. Um, the, the, the show uh, Davenport and once on this island announced yesterday that Michelle Williams, Destiny's Child, not Dawson's Creek, would be taking over as Urzuli beginning on November 30th in once on this island. And interestingly, not again, not that this means anything, but it's interesting. Nonetheless, the press release said that Michelle Williams is scheduled to play the role through June 2nd of 2019, which I mean, Okay, Um, but but anyway, James, if the rumors of Hillary and Clinton wanting Circle in the Square are to be believed, which I think they are, it seems to me that Rudin moving these shows around has more to do with once on this island being determined to stick it out through the spring than it actually has anything to do with Hillary and Clinton or King Lear. I uh, think those are pretty good tea leaves you're reading there. I I, I agree go. with what you're saying there. So uh, we'll have to see if uh, Michelle Williams can save uh, getting the band back together. <laughs> well, I think Once on This Island has better prospects than getting the band back together. But Oh, did I respect- say get? Oh, yeah, that's what I meant. Once, once on This Island. Yeah. Well, six of one, half dozen of the other. No, that's not true. Once on This Island is wonderful. <laughs> um, but, I mean, Michelle Williams, this is not 
like her Broadway debut. I mean, she was in uh, she was a replacement for Heather Headley and Aida all the way back in the day. She has been in Chicago on Broadway. She joined the Fela National Tour. She played Shug Avery in the Color Purple National Tour. So she has Broadway National Tour and a ton of regional credits. So, but so this is not like some crazy out of the box stunt casting. But James, I mean, I don't think her or even Kelly Rowland is going to do anything for box offices uh, in terms of Destiny's Children. I think the only one that would really have an impact would be Beyonce. Uh, no offense uh, to Michelle or Kelly. So I don't know that this is necessarily going to change anything for Once on this Island, especially if they have to pay her more than they were paying any of the other cast members. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm not sure. But what that does tell us is now, James, it was, since something is now in the court, that means that we have only one two theaters that are currently unoccupied for the spring season. One of those is the Walter Kerr, which we've said multiple times has a number of shows that want to get into it. We've heard of rumors of girl from the North country. Then we've heard uh, uh, rumors of company going in there. And then the other one is the Helen Hayes theater torch song is an open-ended run. Um, and if or it's a commercial run through uh, February 24th with the option to extend, but if, and when that closes, Second stage is going to fill that spot. So it's really just the cur that's open right now for the spring season. And there are those weird things with uh, network and kinky boots, which are closing probably too late to get something else in before the Tony eligibility deadline. So I, I just if something there's a bunch of stuff that wants to get in, unless something announces closing soon, it's going to be a, a fairly thin spring in terms of new shows, James. Yeah, I uh, can see what if you're I, saying there. We have a traffic jam of real estate. Yeah, if I had hair, I would pull it out. <laughs> I understand. Okay, Matt, what else no, do we you have don't. to do? No, you, you don't. Don't, don't patronize me. You have not a pat- luscious head of hair. I have none. It's not fair. Um, so don't play like you understand the uh, male p- pattern baldness uh, difficulties of, of somebody. I have the Tom Cruise male squeaky high-pitched voice, and you've got a great bass. You know? <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that, but okay, fine, whatever. Okay, Matt. What else do we have to talk about today? <laughs> okay, a few stories before we get you on your merry way on Friday. It is Friday, which means that Baz Bomba Boy is out there tweeting scoops. First up, he said that the London production of Company will be getting a cast recording in November if contracts can be signed in time. Spoiler alert, they will be. Um, he also <laughs> tweeted that in May of next year, Marion Elliott will direct a West End production of Arthur Miller's Death of a Salesman, starring Wendell Pierce and Sharon D. Clark. The production, for which theater dates and the remaining cast will be announced, will feature an entirely black cast. Turning our attention from stage to screen, yesterday it was announced that on Thursday, November 15th, a reimagined animated children's special called The Emperor's Newest Clothes will debut on the HBO family of networks. It will feature songs by the legendary William Finn and will feature a voice talented cast starring Alan Alda, Jeff Daniels, Alison Pill and more. Going from premium cable to network TV, on Halloween, the Goldbergs will air their annual Broadway episode, this time featuring a tribute to Fiddler on the Roof. Check your local listings for channel number and times for both that and The Emperor's Newest Clothes. And finally, James, something that we discussed on yesterday's show 
after our episode was released on Thursday morning, Lin-Manuel Miranda pledged his support to the uh, to the drama Bookshop, first quote tweeting a story of the closing saying, nope, we'll get uh, into it was a bunch of ends. I didn't know. It's not like no, 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 nope. Or maybe it was that. But anyway, we'll get into it when I get home from Puerto Rico, Lin said. And then apparently before heading to the airport, he headed down to the bookstore and signed Everything that had his name on it, he said, including two Bring It On scores, which is an incredibly underrated show, BT dubs, um, and encouraged people to go to the shop and spend money. Now, James, you and I, uh, via text message, you know, theorized about how this shop might be saved. And I I don't want to publicize those because that would be putting way too much pressure um, or expectations on certain celebrities, including Lynn. Um, and I don't want to put you know the onus of saving this store on him. But I do think that this is one of those rare cases in which stars of a niche community like theater is still um, might actually be able to make a difference for a small business. We, you know, we often hear about rallies around, you know, historic rock clubs like CBGBs or restaurants or things like that. And that never happens with a life cafe or whatever. And nothing ever happens. This one though, I think because of how unique this this institution is, I really do think that if there's some sort of concerted effort between not just Lynn, but Lynn and, and any other compatriots, I really think that they could make a difference for the drama bookstore or bu- drama bookshop moving forward. I agree. And uh, I, I'm very interested to see how uh, people are going to come together and address this. I mean, Lynn manuel Miranda, you know, before the amazing story that is Hamilton has been mm-hmm. a, a person that has just made things happen. So uh, if he's got his eyes set on it, uh, I think that uh, we should just all try to follow his lead. Get whatever on board. He, whatever yeah. he says, uh, the train's leaving the station, get on board. Exactly. Yeah. And and like we said yesterday, I mean, the drama bookshop is has been incredibly instrumental in his career. I mean, yeah. In the Heights happened because of the opportunity. No, I mean, I, it very well might have happened um, without it, but in large part happened at the drama bookshop. Um, our friend Patrick Hines actually, I think, saw one of the initial readings or productions of it there and was, you know, legendarily the first person to ever interview Lin-Manuel Miranda about In the Heights. So um, because of the drama bookshop. So I'm hoping that whether it's him or somebody else or a group of people, we can figure out a way to keep this beloved store and institution somewhere in the theater community. All right, Matt, why don't you get us out of here? All right. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW. Matt and James, I believe tomorrow we're going to have a special uh, episode from Jan Simpson, correct? Oh, yes. Uh, so uh, Jan Simpson, Stagecraft Podcast, uh, Saturday morning. Get your ears on early. Go out for your uh, morning coffee and take a listen to Stagecraft with uh Doing Your Love, the author of Fireflies, uh, playing over Atlantic Theatre Company. Uh, Jan got a chance to talk to, with Donia last week, and uh, take a listen to it. It's awesome. We love Jan. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for wrapping up the week with us on Sunday, this week on Broadway, with Michael Portantier, Peter Felicia, and Monday morning, Matt and I'll be back to tell you what you missed over the weekend. I need to fix that this week on Broadway.
Matt reminded me. Uh, <laughs> this week on Broadway uh, is uh, not with Peter Felicia, but with Jan Simpson, who the ah. aforementioned uh, Stagecraft uh, podcast. So Jan will be with us Saturday and Sunday and Michael Portantier. And uh, then Matt and I will talk to you on Monday. Yeah, that's correct. That That's the correct part. All right.